Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to the Parent Show here on Radio Verulam on 92.6 FM, the very latest edition of the Lockdown Dads. And after our spectacular success, where we got away with moaning about how rubbish lockdown has been for an entire hour, we're back with a bang, this time to talk about dad's diet and fitness. I'm looking at our Zoom meeting video in front of me, not a moment too soon. Well, actually, my screen is off. That's just my reflections. As you may remember, the Lockdown Dads are a panel of dads who are generally regarded as experts in absolutely nothing at all, but an awful lot to say nevertheless. We have life experience and bluster to fall back on in the absence of any formal qualification, so don't take everything our Dads panel says too seriously tonight. Generally, we are here to make you feel a little bit better about yourself, uh, along the lines of, well, I may be X, but at least I'm not as X as those clowns on the radio. Tonight, we'll be inflicting an expert upon you, though, to spice things up a little bit, to set a new level to the bar and take away that little bit of smugness you might normally feel after listening to us. So primarily for your entertainment and for the off chance that there is some enlightenment, I present to you tonight your dad's panel, including our regulars, Andrew. Hello. Tristan. Hello. Toby. Hi. Sammy. Hi, guys. Hello. And I am delighted to introduce to you a new voice on the panel, hopefully bringing a little bit of sanity to the proceedings. Please welcome Monia. Hi, welcome to the Dad's panel. Well, well, hello, and thank you for letting me loose. I don't know about sanity, but um, we'll do our best. <laughs> Full disclosure, Monia, you've done some radio before, didn't you? You used to run a, a show yourself. Oh, no. Um, I've done a couple of shows. I used to run the student radio show in Southampton in the middle of the night from two o'clock to four o'clock in the morning. And then I've done a breakfast show up in Manchester about seven years ago. Fantastic. Judging by um, the image I have on the screen, though, that student radio was uh, some time ago. Is that right? That was only last week. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you do for uh, a living on here? Um, I'm a photographer. I'm a commercial food photographer and I also do lifestyle shoots as well, but less lifestyle shoots at the moment due to the old um, COVID um, situation, lifestyle being weddings. So is that really a job, photographing food? You make a living out of that? I don't know about making a living out of it, but I do get fed quite well. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can. Yeah, I had to train for it, you know. I had well, to train well, to be a food photographer. Looking at other people's Instagram feeds. Yeah, is that the eating bit? <laughs> the, uh... no, no, absolutely, eating it. Eating. Training it, yeah, okay, good. Is it, is it food that's already dead or is it what we might call wildlife? It's, it's dead food. For dead food. <laughs> There's probably a better name for it than dead food, if anyone can uh, think of a, a better one. Anyway, Monia, welcome to the show and thank you, as I say, for bringing some sanity and uh, some professionalism and experience to the show as well. How are we doing so far compared to student radio? You were started on time. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us tonight, Ben Chibnall. He, he's to, here to stop us really from rambling incoherently any more than we absolutely have to. Uh, at least that's what we told him. It, primarily his role is that we have someone to blame if we actually get sued for any of the advice that we offer on the show. So uh, welcome to the panel, uh, Ben Chibnall. Uh, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm good. Are you, are you regretting your decision to come onto the show yet? Yeah, when you put it like that, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> 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 I'm <Am I> joking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How's everyone doing? 
Very good, thanks. We're yep. all fine. So Ben, what, what, what is it you do? What, what's your role and why are you qualified to tell us about diet and fitness? So as some people might know, because uh, I was on just a while, while back, I'm basically a lifestyle development trainer, which basically means I'm someone who not only just turns up and trains you, but I look at the whole, the whole way you run your life, that anything affects, that affects your fat loss. So I combine training and nutrition together to basically get the clients to transform their body in the fastest time possible. And obviously the safest way as well. So I'm obviously a, I'm a qualified clinical nutritionist and personal trainer. And I've been working with clients one-on-one for over a decade. So just getting clients in shape as fast as possible for like the last uh, set up in 2008. So since then really one-on-one with clients, I go to their house. So I basically get to have a big picture of how they live, go through their fridge, look at everything they eat. And then to strip it all back and go from there, really. And do they know that you're going through their fridge? Or are, they, are they in the house at well, the time? Or do you <laughs> sometimes I have to break in and then just take things away. <laughs> and, uh, and tell me, who is your favorite client? Oh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's confidential, you know, this day and age. <laughs> What's in Steve's fridge right now, Ben? <laughs> Jeez. To be honest with you, I think there's a... The severed head of my last train. <laughs> enough yeah, of that so okay i basically make people's lives a misery for as long as they see me basically He's so very very good at that i can vouch <laughs> that have you got any customers that you got in 2008 that still need your help 12 years later do you know what it's uh it's it's not actually about that this I, f- I find with people especially high achievers they have like one jar of willpower and if you're a high achiever and you achieve a lot in, in other aspects i find that those people, even when they get to a good level of fitness, they still need someone to coach them just to keep them kind of thinking about it all the time. So I, I have actually got clients from 2008. I've, st- I've still got probably a quarter of my client base I've had for a decade now. And I, and I, see, them, I see them regularly, you know. You yeah, their fridges regularly as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I say the same thing over and over again. You do a discount for underachievers, Ben. <laughs> so actually, underachievers, I charge more. Okay, okay. <laughs> We're doomed. We're all doomed. <laughs> so the first thing that I really want to talk about this evening is diet. And when I say diet, I of course mean weight. I must try and get more unprocessed organic wheatgrass into my diet, said no dad ever. Dads in general are not too fussy about what they eat or when they eat it. A sausage and egg muffin on the way into the office and a Big Mac with fries on the way back counts as a balanced diet. We'll eat and drink just about anything given the circumstances. Or do we? The time we start to worry about diet is when last year's summer shorts give up in desperation, when you catch a sideways glance of yourself in the mirror and think there may be something wrong with the mirror, or when in your bedroom role play, she suggests you put on the Mario costume this time and she'll sew some side vents and a balloon bottom into your Spider-Man suit for next time. So in reality though, what do dads think about diet and food and weight? How important is it to us? How does it become more or less important with age or with children? Are there more important things to worry about and why? So, gentlemen, who is going to start us off on this vexatious issue? T- Toby, oh. I can see your hand going up. No, Toby's <laughs> hand is going up. He's just been dying to jump in on this one. Like, <laughs> just, Toby's I going can't, first. I, can't, I literally can't get anything into my head apart from the image of you in the Mario costume. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need... Ben, do you know anybody that can do any sort of therapy? I do, I'm actually. Gonna, I'm not going to be able to sleep now. Steve, was that last statement autobiographical? <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that bit out a little bit later on. Well, I actually, actually, I can, um, I can, I can maybe go first here and um, 
because it's sort of linked to the lockdown, you know, working from home and not having to put on a suit, you know, and uh, just having to put on very comfortable sweatpants and, you know, t-shirts. For me, one of the things that gets me to realize that I'm not in the shape that I want to be is putting on a suit trousers, for example, or, or a shirt. <laughs> and, that, and, and that would trigger it. But uh, these days, it doesn't, right? Because, you know, everything that I put on is very comfortable, very wide and stretchy and all that. But uh, for me, that's one of the things. Maybe also, as you say, kind of looking myself in the mirror, you know, and eventually it's kind of how I feel. But it does get more severe around summertime when I know I'm, have, I'm going to have to go to the beach, for example. But, 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 but mostly the trouser suits, I suppose. I don't know you guys. But... I think it's a hard pill to swallow when you look in the mirror and you start to look like a polar bear. <laughs> I think that's when you know it's time to get it to get some work done. <laughs> it, it's when you, when you start sucking his tummy in, but it doesn't go in anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, you just look at it. Sammy, I just got to pick up on something. Your velvet, luscious voice. Where is that from? From France. Um, ah, see, the, the yeah. French. You, you should be on top of all this, and you should be looking good no matter what you wear. Sweatpants and a silk scarf. Good point on the scarf, because uh, a lot of us do wear a lot of scarves, but um, not right now, unfortunately. For sure. I, I, not, when it comes to diet, I don't know about you guys. It, so I am on a diet at the moment because I was given some feedback. And um, <laughs> I love the fact that well, everybody's, everybody's sort of saying that, uh, well, I put my trousers on and they tell me that I, I should lose some weight or I look in a mirror. I've been totally indifferent to that for about five years. I have an alarm system in the house that tells me when I'm too fat and it's time to lose weight. I've been married to her for quite a long time. But it... it, it, it well, now, anyway, so I'm on a diet and I find it personally, I can either diet or not diet, by which I mean, my wife would say to me, well, you don't need to go on a diet. You just need to eat a little less food and be a little more measured with what you're eating. But to me, I, I need to go on a diet and it needs to have quick results. Otherwise, I'm just not satisfied with it and i don't know is that just a guy thing or i, I would say from experience like most of the clients i work with are like that they're either on or they're off it's a tricky thing dieting and, and getting in shape it's not it's not easy and it's it's also to get in very good shape it's not natural either you have to push yourself so i think that it's definitely something that is a it's a bit like you're doing cycles so you you're good for a while and then you have a back on it again i think that's for most people the same thing but is, yeah. isn't, isn't the word diet a bit semantic, though? Does diet meaning what you eat regularly, or diet means you're, you're reducing the amount of food you eat? I'm no expert, Ben, but it's all about mindset, right? Saying that, I am on a diet at the moment, kind of. Um, how's, your, how's your mind? My mind's good. It's, it's, it's the Kenzai diet. Essentially, it's, not it's a Kenzai method, essentially, where for the first week is amazing because you just eat what you want. But it's the second, third weeks going onwards. It's when you start reducing the kind of food you, you eat and stuff like that. But it's all about changing your mind and changing your whole mindset to it. The best way to diet, I think, is being a very bad cook. Um, <laughs> you don't eat any of your own food. <laughs> don't eat any of your food. No, absolutely. I think I think that's that's the only way forward. I, I've been, um, as you can tell, my spell bigger. Um, I've been on diets and my weight is kind of goes up and down a lot. I've been on every single diet you can think of. I, I, my mum put me, when I was uh, 16, my mum put me on the... Um... Oh, we seem to have lost my mum here. Oh, uh, no. There. She's uh, gone for a snack. He got low blood sugar and he had to leave. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's rebooted. He's in week one of his original <laughs> diet. Eat everything!
Oh, yeah, eat everything. I'm still in week one. This is... Keep <laughs> <laughs> doing week one until you get it right. Now, isn't yeah, this it's, interesting? It's, that, that, Groundhog that, Day. The, 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 the approach, that, uh, just picking up on the point that Toby made, men going onto a diet, men wanting to make a change, we've got to have a plan, right? This doesn't just happen by eating a little bit less, as you say, and moving around a bit more. We've got a plan. We've got to uh, have a timetable where this is going to happen by this time, and then these things are going to happen and follow on from that, and the result is going to be this, and we're going to measure it in, uh, until it's achieved. Is that, is yeah. that how we think? Bouncing on, 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 on what Ben just said, I think, I think it's really true. Uh, I see it as your body takes the path of least resistance. So if... <laughs> yeah. You know, that's true, right? Because my job, for example, is to sit on a chair and code all day. You know, I don't need to have six packs to do that, right? If my job was to <laughs> carry a bunch of bricks up and down to do some roofing, then I probably need to have a bunch of good abs and, you know, good, good leg muscles, you know, but your body is only going to be going to become as good as it needs to be to does what it needs to do. And that's kind of my, so the, the I suppose then the, the perfect diet is to, you know, I suppose maybe run to run to, to work or even like having to climb to work or for example, like to have to do, so your body has to be in shape to, you know, to go about your daily life. Um, so Sam, but, Sam, Sammy, on that note, I have through, I, I have been through a number of dietary fads and one of my favorites is the laziest. Has, has anybody come across the, 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 um, the product Huel, H-U-E-L? Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah I have. Right? Yeah. And it's, is that it's, how you make after you've eaten? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, no. So it is, it's sold as nutritionally complete food and it's basically a powder which has got if you eat five portions of it a day it's got all the recommended daily allowances apparently of everything you need and you just drink these shakes every three hours and you're done it was developed apparently by software engineers who just didn't want to get up from their desks because eating food was a distraction from writing software and they would just drink <laughs> this stuff at their desk because it was the most yeah. efficient thing to do. Which software developers these? Everyone else that I've known drinks Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> their life expectancy is quite short though, to be fair. So uh, Tristan, what, uh, what have you been up to over the, the lockdown regarding um, weight and management and, and exercise? I notice you've grown a beard. Is that uh, related? So that's, that's a weight management thing, I think. Uh, <laughs> the height of age. So I, was, I was down a few grams, so I thought I'd kind of you know, pick it back up again. And, and, and here I am back where I was. So, uh, so I'm Calorific beard. <laughs> exactly. But it's... Uh, my my, uh, my wife is convinced that I look like the great stupendo, and she doesn't like it. So um, there you go, a, a lousy a, a lousy magician somewhere. Along the way. But uh, so but, um, uh, are you keeping? A, uh, you, I mean, you look quite trim, Tristan. Are you, thank uh, you. on top thank of you. everything? Uh, I, well, look. I, so I'm I'm not someone who has spent an enormous amount of time uh, in and out of, of diets. Um, I kind of hit my my fighting weight when I was about, I guess, eighteen. Uh, and and the only time I've kind of come off it was actually when I went through a period of time where I didn't drink and I didn't drink at all for about I don't know eight weeks nine weeks I lost about a stone and a half and and that obviously wasn't doing much for me so I, I went back to uh, to my previous lifestyle and I've continued straight you know straight the way through on it and I'm, I'm not a dietary fad guy I did try uh, Joe Wicks a couple of years ago did, did about eight months of uh, of him and his uh, his kind of hits every day and and um uh, and diets, but 
again, I never really feel that um, I'm kind of changing. I'm not really kind of seeking anything particularly. It was more to uh, to assist my wife in uh, in a fad that she wanted, but obviously that was directed, <laughs> directed at me, of course. So, uh, so I'm, I'm I think I'm uh, I'm kind of a, a passive dietist who will just eat basically whatever, whatever's put in front of it. And Andrew, you um you you are of Mediterranean background, I think, aren't you? Is that I'm uh, indeed. Yes. Would that be fair to say? Do you do you stick to the Mediterranean diet? Because again, you're you're looking very trim. Thank you very much. Well, from the uh, Mediterranean background in terms of whatever moves and probably a few things that don't, yeah, shoot <laughs> it, put it on the barbecue and eat it. Yes. So that's a great diet. Yeah. Is that less, less Mediterranean, more caveman diet? <laughs> is there a difference? He doesn't cook it in a caveman <laughs> diet. I think that's it. <laughs> so uh, in, in actual fact, uh, I mean, I, I've made some changes recently, but I, I'm not using the term diet because a diet it's almost seems like a temporary thing but I've always been pretty careful with with what I eat and I always as it turns out slightly erroneously believed that what I was eating was healthy you know fruit for breakfast and things like that and um, and just controlling various things but I um, I met a chap recently who was running a program which looks at all aspects of what your lifestyle is and he basically gets you to wear a little gizmo on your arm and he measures your various electrolytes in the blood, uh, blood glucose, insulin, that sort of thing. And it basically is used as a stick to beat you with and just to tell you how rubbish you actually are. And it, it shatters your perception of what healthy eating is. And it's been quite an eye-opener. And things like, for example, eating fruit for breakfast, you oh, think, it's gone. yay, how, how healthy am I? <laughs> All of that's out of the window. Um, even things like, you know, sugar in tea and coffee, that's gone. And, uh, and, well, and I, I like the sound of this guy. He sounds like a good guy. He's, he's an interesting guy, yeah. Uh, he's local, actually, uh, based in uh, Wheathampstead. Yeah, a, a lot of the stuff there, for, for me, when you can be slightly smug and thinking, <laughs> hey, you know, I exercise twice a week and all of that stuff is, is really good. Try not to eat the wrong foods, etc. And then someone says, actually, don't be so cocky. Well, I can tell you, you don't actually need a gizmo on your arm to come up with that sort of information. You <laughs> just need 10 minutes with a personal trainer looking in your fridge to tell you that everything that you are eating is unhealthy is that right ben yeah, pretty much yeah to be fair so, I mean, so I, one of the biggest misconceptions is um fruit for breakfast you know it all it does for most people especially if you're overweight because if you're overweight you're um what's called more resistant. insulin resistant so it means that you deal with carbohydrates uh, slightly different to someone who is usually slimmer slimmer people thinner people not always but usually they're more insulin sensitive so they deal with carbohydrates better for people looking to lose weight breakfast uh, shouldn't be fruit because fruit will just basically spike the insulin very high and it really, what it does is just, it shuts down fat burning straight away from as soon as you wake up. And actually you really wake up in a fat burning state because you're semi fasted because you haven't eaten like good six to 10 hours, depending on how long you sleep. You actually wake up ready to burn fat. So if you spike your insulin early in the morning, it's kind of game over on, on, uh, on fat loss, you know, in the short term anyway. My breakfast for the last eight weeks has been... 300 mils of black coffee, 40 mils of organic grass-fed butter, and 10 mils of medium-chain triglyceride yeah, so, oil. So you're doing a keto diet, no? Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, what do I think of that? It's, it's, it's a very healthy start to the day. I just think for a lot of my clients, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get them to start with the butter. I'd just get them to have the black coffee in the morning. Yeah, fair enough. I would, I would lose those calories if you're going to, because you can get like a mini fast in then and then you can have maybe a bigger lunch later on. I don't really like throwing in just fat in the morning for breakfast. It's just, yeah, I feel like I'd save those calories for later on. So I, okay, that's interesting because I have found that there have been days, not at the beginning of it, but like certainly the last couple of weeks where I've sort of arrived at five, six o'clock in the evening and I hadn't eaten anything since breakfast or right. you know basically fat for breakfast I haven't eaten anything and i haven't felt hungry at all i haven't, just haven't noticed the day has gone by and you know i haven't thought oh i need to stop and eat something and i've never felt like that before i always and particularly when i was going into the office every day i would sort of eat every couple every of hours. hours yeah so i think the i think the very high fat approach to start with when you diet is golden because it gives your body enough energy coming in from something that doesn't spike your insulin so you don't feel too flat all the time but i think after a while i would definitely cut down on the fat intake because what happens is your body your body will get used to what becomes like what's called fat adapted because you're getting enough dietary fat in your body says to the tissues okay look we don't have to rely on glucose for fuel now because there's not much coming in but there's a lot of ketones coming in which is basically the backbone of, of a fatty acid when you break it down and if you've got lots of that coming in, your body basically becomes what's called fat adapted. So the tissues start to like ketones for fuel. So, you, so then when there aren't any ketones, dietary ketones coming in, the body breaks down body fat and it uses the ketones from your body fat. And so you have basically like a nice balance of energy throughout the day. So I think for the first two or three weeks of a diet, I think the high fat approach is great. But I think once you become what's called fat adapted, where your body uses fat for fuel more efficiently, I think then you can actually start getting the fat down a bit lower or, or cut out the uh, extra like the butter in the, or the cream in the coffees and you, you'll still feel fine but actually you'll lose more weight because you're taking in less calories i'm just going to pick up at a point that uh, that toby made there about getting pretty much to the end of the day without eating because uh, sammy you mentioned that you'd been fasting as well to the point of of feeling faint was that correct yeah so i suppose my experience with dieting there's three phases in my life so um initially i was I suppose a child or you know, a baby, not really worried at all with my body shape. It was just, you know, uh, going to school, etc. And then at university, I was obviously very conscious about, about it, but with a lot of time and energy, uh, most a lot of time in my hands. So spending my time at the gym, two to three sessions a day, running 10 kilometers a day. So I was, I suppose, in the best shape of my life. But that you was... weren't at an English university, were you, Sammy? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was, actually. <laughs> was it, wasn't like that for me at university. But that wasn't sustainable. And the third part of my life is obviously being in a, in a relationship, being a dad, and having a lot less time to train. Although I have done some trainings, I've done uh, marathons and uh, ultra marathons. For me, that's not very sustainable. So that's why I decided to explore the, the food aspect of the diet because I'm, I'm going to, I thought there's only so much exercise I can cram into my day. So, you know, I'm going to be working on, on the food side and trying to, to reduce that. So, so during lockdown, I came up with this ad for an app on Facebook for intermittent fasting called Zero. And so essentially it's intermittent fasting. And so what I do is a 16 not the, not the accounting software, I take it. 
<laughs> well, he's, he's got it to total up the calories. Just as boring, though. Just as boring. <laughs> Different currency. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so intermittent fasting. So 16, 8. So what happens is I essentially stop eating at 7 in the evening. And then I only start eating 16 hours later, which is, in that case, 11. But I have found... So the problem is then I do my exercise... Uh, in the morning whilst I'm in, at the end of my fast and I, I sometimes struggle in the last hour so the, the 16th hour sometimes I, I do feel like very very tired and you know I think my body hasn't yet completely adapted days like today for example went really fine but some of the days is, is tough so makes me question the uh, sustainability of this you know just I can to have throw, like, just to throw it in yeah. there be useful if you threw in a few high fat days here and there so you should track your food on an app see how much fat you're taking in That'll yeah. give you an idea of where your base level fat is over seven days. And in a couple yeah. of days a week, I would, I would like fat load a bit and get a bit more energy than, than you normally yeah. take in. And it yeah. might help your body become a little bit more fat adapted, you know? Yeah. And so I, um, I have also a, um, like a smart scale that also links to the... <laughs> well, how a smart scale work? Was it told so you you're overweight just, or... Yeah, it works out what sort of mood you're in, but it tells you. <laughs> You stand on it and it, you know, demonstrates a mathematical uh, theorem. Um, what do you, <laughs> it talks to it's you in different languages, you know, it, it teaches you a bunch of things. Uh, so what it does is it sends some electric signals into your body and it measures not only your weight, but a bunch of other metrics, your body fat percentage, your BMI, your metabolic age, your, you know, loads of things. So that's, that's so, and so I'm able to track a bunch of other metrics. So yeah. Uh, those on top of the on top of the weight you can tell he was a developer he's got talking metrics and, and algorithms already about yeah, his, his exactly. diet and food but yeah, so you have a smart APIs. toilet as well Sammy <laughs> oh, I mean just to get a com just to get a complete yeah. picture because Ben's right. talking about what you put in I think it would be important to Absolutely. get the, the liability out, side of that asset I think in the future everyone should have their own toilet or uh, should have like a device that sort of you know goes in there and analyzes stuff <laughs> that comes back. But, no, but no, it's it's the real thing Jillian McKeith here. They have, it, they have it in Japan. I've, I've seen it. They have it in Japan. It, it, it makes sense. It takes a sample of your stool and yeah. just analyzes it and just send, gives you like a, because, a, a yeah. silver scene. And presumably it, you can put this into zero as well. So you, you get a true, uh, you know, double book entry. I <laughs> never knew there was such a thing as a stool receipt. Mona, you it's have amazing. enlightened me as we promised that you would this evening. Uh, Steve, what, have, you, you, have you just got dumb toilets in your house? You need smart bogs. <laughs> we don't have toilets. We just got a hole in the garden. It's, it's, I, I, <laughs> I can see Toby's just going on, on to GoDaddy now to, to register that. No, I'm going to go and stand in Steve's garden and give him a receipt every time he pops down. <laughs> You're making loads of money. <laughs> I'll be writing you all your own personal receipt for your contributions to this evening's show. So, um, just going back to something that uh, Tristan said earlier on, that when he wants to uh, get back to his tight pants weight, he comes off the booze for a little while. Does anybody else find that drinking or not drinking leads to a healthier lifestyle? Uh, I, I said I, I went uh, the longest I went without drinking was a dry January which was a very bad idea because that was my partner's birthday so that was the worst experience because you know there was um, a lot of uh, good opportunities but um, but the experience was very positive though but I found that it's it is difficult to sustain from a social perspective uh, going to concerts going to you know just um, for me alcohol kind of gives me energy on social occasions and and that wasn't working for me so yeah i haven't found yet the right way to cut down on it for like a, a long period of time next year I do it in february <laughs> well there are other months exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the whole uh, um, losing weight while not drinking is, is a total fallacy 
I have never drunk in my life. Look at me. <laughs> so, so Monir, I was going to say something not dissimilar. I haven't drunk anything for over 10 years. Didn't stop me putting on, you know, 12 yeah. kilos more than I needed to weigh. But Sammy, I, I, your point is very well made about it being difficult to not drink and keep exactly the same lifestyle that you had before. I found actually that over the first few months but really the first year or so I, I basically ended up changing my peer group quite materially well that was hard really hard because there were a group of friends that I had whose primary hobby was going out and drinking and we only had that in common with each other and I ended up just not ending up seeing those guys again because that was um changed my focus a bit and was that um, their decision or was that your decision well just to not see them again everybody got like new cell phones and i couldn't get through to them and, and different forgot to add your number in. yeah yeah you know I, I don't drink and it's a, it's definitely a weird one because you're you're definitely outed a bit if you don't drink this day and age the amount of um social events i go to and people are like oh why are you not drinking it's like well, i don't drink and they just, it's a shock for people. I think when it comes to diet, like I think the alcohol does have to go because if you're going to change your diet, you've got to do it from a health perspective. You can't just do it because you want to lose a few pounds. To really sustain it, it's got to be bigger than just, oh, I want to lose a few pounds, you know? Ben, do you find, so going back to your point as a, you know, not just a trainer, but as a lifestyle coach, is it the fact that many of your clients are drinking enough that the calorific content of what they're drinking is the issue or is it the fact that they just make other bad choices when they drink is it so basically what i'm saying is it the five pints of beer or is it the two kebabs that comes after the five i'd pints? say i'd say i'd say it depends on what you drink obviously like if you drink beers and things like that versus spirits i think that that makes a difference but you know, usually people that drink regularly, they don't make the best decisions with their food. It's not like these guys drinking it, but they eat like chicken salads all day long, you know. One more thing about intermittent fasting is what it does allow me to do, and I think that's very sustainable. It's a small change, but potentially in a long period of time, is, for example, not snacking in the evening. Like I used to just snack a little bit before going to bed. And now that I have this ac accountability system where I set my timer and I say, okay, I'm not eating for 16 hours. Well, I, I completely stopped doing this. And I think this is, um, this is really good because it's, um, it's a small change, but it can carry over for potentially many years. And, I agree. And, I agree. And that, that is valuable. Time-restricted feeding is, it shouldn't be something that humans have to do, but... I was going to say, my dog, well, my dog has time-restricted feeding. There's always, a, there's always an argument for a diet should be just a lifestyle. But that might have been okay a few hundred years ago. But now we're surrounded by temptation everywhere. We all have jobs where the stress is much higher than it should be. The world isn't supposed to be the way it is. And I feel like everywhere you go now, there's something that there's a snack that you can get that makes you feel better. It's quick and easy. You can't just get healthy food everywhere you go. It's the majority of stuff that you when you're on the road or wherever you stop is is junk, and um, it picks you up really fast. And you just grab you grab it and, and you go. So I feel like. It's that's tough. a that's a question, Ben. Where do you go for <clears throat> anything that is even vaguely healthy? So bearing in mind that I'm basically avoiding carbohydrates, unless I plan, unless I take food with me, I've literally got nothing to eat. It's almost impossible to find anything out and about that isn't crisps or bread or it's just it's almost impossible. You basically have to be pepperoni. creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pe pepperoni and almonds. No. Those are the only things I can eat. 
you have to be creative. And I think the, I think the problem is this day and age is food prep is, is the way to go, but most of us can't do that and can't sustain that. Uh, so you can do it, but I've, it's, ex- I've got it's no expensive. Patience for anybody who does food prep, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's uh, tough. It's, you can't, I don't think it can be done long term. But the answer to that is that you have to be willing to spend, you know, a fair bit of money because you can get that food. But when I'm out, when I'm out, and I see like I can see up to ten clients a day, and I'm on the road all day, I could spend thirty, forty pound a day on the road. But I'm buying like a salad. I'll go into an M&S garage and I'll buy a salad. I'll buy chicken separately that goes with that salad. And I may buy something else to go on that salad as well. But then you end up spending like £12 just for a small salad, you know. But it can be done. It's just, it's just harder. And that's, a, that's another reason why it's not as easy as just I'm just going to – the diet should be a lifestyle thing. A diet is hard. And, uh, and the world makes it hard. And you have, to, you have to be doing it for the right reasons, you know. And, but, and I found, I found that I, I, when I was sort of putting weight on, it was through indifference rather than greed. And it was convenience rather than, and I was eating the things that were adjacent to me at the times that I was hungry. A classic example of that is commuting back from Canary Wharf, getting to Euston Station, realizing that my train has been canceled yet again and i've got to wait at euston station for an hour the only antidote to that is a couple of magazines from wh smith's and a pasty oh (laughs) pasty right so if if they canceled three trains a week that's three pasties i had to eat (laughs) Uh, tell me you're talking about what you're saying is this the train's fault (laughs) I didn't even buy tickets, Andrew. I didn't get the train. I used to get an Uber <laughs> home. I used to go there. Oh, the trains have been cancelled. Time for a pasty. <laughs> uh, you, you're talking about indifference. Um, what about lack of like mindfulness? So my view, what I like about fasting is when, I, when, when it's time to, to eat, then I'm a lot more mindful about what I eat. And I, you know, being empty most of the day, makes you like think a lot, a lot more about what you put in your mouth and um mm. you know and just eating mindfully some because i'm a lot into meditation hypnosis stuff like that and i find that fasting helps me like i'm a lot more i'm gonna i'm gonna look forward to the time i eat i want to be and also after it i i tend to now finding myself being more able to understand which food makes me feel better afterwards like you know if i like, um, as it was my birthday uh, this weekend, so I had a bunch of pizzas and I felt terrible after it. Well, yes, a bunch of pizzas. Yeah, he did. I saw him. There's a photograph <laughs> of him carrying yeah. about seven pizza boxes. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was and, and, and yesterday had like a superfood uh, salad and felt extremely well after it. So for me, it's, you know, I think it, the mind is, is very important. And also, most of all, the power of feeling hungry. I mean, I think it's um, a couple of years ago in Japan, and we did like a, a very long uh, hike. And, you know, feeling that, you know, you, there's, there's no like, there's no shop to buy. You're just walking, you're hungry, and then finally you get to your food. While you're in, you know, exactly Canary Wharf, and how many shops do you have in a 10 meters radius? Like, you know, food is just simply everywhere. Think like, you know, we used to be have to hunt for our food and... You know, it's not it's not the case anymore. When we should deserve, not deserve our food, but you know, we should it should be something that you we, you know, should it's... fight your way into one of these sandwich shops. There should be some sort of yeah, exactly. initiation yeah, yeah. test. Which, uh... clubbing, clubbing I tell hand, you what, I think you've got to go club in hand and to get out of that way. I want that <laughs> rocket now. If you've that's, ever that's if you've done. ever tried to get a pastrami wrap in Canary Wharf at Pret a Manger at a lunchtime, <laughs> you do need a club in hand. Ben Chibnall, you're our resident expert here on uh, all things to do with dietary and fitness. What did you think about what you heard from uh, this ragtag ensemble? 
I actually think the uh, group we've got on tonight are relatively clued up. You know, you've got people trying the keto diet, people trying lower carb, people doing time restricted eating. And, uh, and they're all tools, you know, they all, they all can work for people. So I think this group is, uh, is relatively clued up. Have you, did you hear anything which, which made you go, oh, no, that's a, a, a popular misconception? Okay, I, think with the, I think the popular misconception with the keto diet is to put unnecessary fat in addition to the food you eat. I just don't think that's necessary for most people. I don't think you need to fat load because you're on a keto diet. The term ketosis basically means the breaking down of fat for fuel. So when you test people's blood, the fastest way to get into ketosis is to is a is actually a higher protein, lower fat diet. Believe it or not. So I feel I feel like a lot of people go on the keto diet and they fat load too much. They look online and, and see what a lot of people are doing, and I feel like the fat loading ruins the results for a lot of people. They go on the diet, they don't lose much weight, and then they get disheartened with it. And actually, it's because the fat is too high. And you got to remember, if your dietary fat is high, why would your body burn body fat? You know, it's not going to for a lot of people. So I think, for, like I said earlier, I think for the first week or two, you can have a higher fat content to get used to being on a different type of eating. But I think after a while, the fat has got to be controlled and the protein's got to be priority. So gentlemen of the panel, bask in that for just a second. Maybe we take a couple of seconds silence when we reflect on the fact that Ben thinks we are relatively clued up about something this evening. <laughs> That's the first for us. Well done. You fooled him. Congratulations. Ben, when it comes to losing weight and staying in a, uh, a healthy lifestyle, we know that food and, and diet is, is, is obviously an important part of it. But the other side of the equation, exercise and, and lifestyle, is it equally important? Which is the, uh, the more dominant for diet and fitness? Uh, for health, it's, it's, it's both. You, know, you have to work out. You have to, you have to eat well. Now, one, one of the number one things as you age is to maintain muscle mass. So you can't maintain muscle mass unless you work out. Working out is, is key. For fat loss, it's a very different story. For fat loss, it's, you know, and people don't like this. Fat loss, it's like 90% diet. If you don't change your diet, you can work out all you like and nothing will happen. I have seen it for a decade. People working really, really hard. Typically, it's mostly people doing lots of cardio, not much resistance work. Hours and hours a week of cardio. Diet doesn't change and they, they change slightly. But for the amount of work they're putting in, it's not, the, it's not a good enough result. So for, from a fat loss perspective, diet is number one and it always will be. And so you basically have to just knuckle down and get into it. You mentioned there about maintaining muscle mass. That's not something which we've uh, we've touched on today. What, what's that? Uh, so Why is that what, important to us? What's muscle? I think is the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you have with your frites in Belgium. I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, maintaining muscle mass is uh, is super important for one of the most important reasons is for your neurological health. You know, when you have a lot of muscle mass, you have will typically have a reasonable amount of strength, which basically means that the way your nervous system and your brain talk to the muscles to make them fire. I don't like this word, but it's probably neurologically sound. Everything is working very well on a neurological level. From a health perspective, that is almost number one. Being neurologically healthy, having control over your muscles, having power, being able to use your muscles forcefully. So that's always my definition of what fitness is. So doing something that maintains muscle mass is, is number one. You, you can do all the cardiovascular work you want, but as you get older, how far you can run doesn't mean anything. It's about how much power you have, how, how you move around, how strong, how much support you have around your joints. And that all comes from muscle mass and muscle strength. So muscle mass as you age is like money. It's like gold. 
So muscle mass then and working out. Tristan, what's, uh, what's your regime like? Do, do you work out or do you just generally exercise as the mood takes you? So I'm a, I, I really enjoy squash. Uh, which is not particularly useful at uh, this time of, uh, of social distancing and sports clubs closing. I do. Uh, I've done actually. My my wife has um, uh, gone through the uh, the couch to five k, and uh, the school set us a few tasks during uh, during the uh, the final kind of etchings of term uh, to, uh, to to encourage the children to do uh, to do some five k's as well. So I've I've joined them on a few actually, and fitness wise that seems to work. But uh, that's pretty much as far as it's gone. Uh, I did notice you you enjoyed a, a longer walk than most people when we were playing golf. You seem to <laughs> enjoy the meandering from one side of the golf course. To I think it's getting my money's worth, isn't it? <laughs> 150 strokes for one round of golf was certainly getting your money's worth. That was the front nine, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and what about the rest of you guys? Do you uh, do you work out, Andrew? I've seen you turn up at the school gates wearing skimpy shorts several mornings. Do you? I, I do that just for you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> they were boxer shorts and he'd just forgotten to put trousers on steve yeah so tell us what, what are you up to andrew when you when you are uh kitted up for pe where are you off to right so so i was doing it for literally non-stop for 20 years twice a week every week to the gym and i've got a, a set program that i kind of alternate through the various things that the trainer sent me originally just basically for health reasons more than anything and i, I kind of program myself to make it my routine and actually during this lockdown thing it's been so weird because literally it's like clockwork twice a week every week and, and now it's it's gone so um, wherever possible it's been you know going out with the, the family for our uh, regulation leave the house and, and walk when available but but because it's it's not built into my routine anymore it feels odd and obviously it's not the same kind of uh, mixture of you know cardio and free weights and all that sort of thing that I'd, I'd normally do so yeah. did you say that you did you've been doing the same routine for 20 years yeah, yeah, yeah. So originally it started off that I was prompted into it when my first job out of university, my early 20s, we went to see this uh, really cool computer games company. And uh, as they were showing us around, they, they said, oh, we're, we're a bit short staffed at the moment because one of our guys is off sick. And it turned out that this chap had had a heart attack and he was only 28. And I thought, well, I'm only 23. And uh, they said, oh, he wasn't a big guy. And all he did was, you know, get up, go to work, all of this sort of stuff. And I thought, that's exactly what I do. So I thought I should do something about it. I, I joined a gym and it was uh, someone recommended one. But in retrospect, I should have been a bit choosier because this place looked like a derelict warehouse and uh, <laughs> like a bomb had hit it. And there were some very unsavoury characters. People you'd imagine walking down the street with string vests, spiky chokers, with, um, you know, uh, Rottweilers on leash and, and, you know, shaving heads and that sort of thing. That was just the women. Uh, it was certainly an odd introduction. But anyway, uh, I, I got into the routine from that point And, yeah, I've just been doing well, it. Ever fair since. play. 20 years. That's, yeah, that's, that's quite commendable. Ben, is that, is that a good approach to do the same thing over and over oh, again? Or we could, we talk, we could for... talk about this for a long time. But if there's anything that anyone can take away from this tonight is that if you exercise, make sure it counts. The law of progressive overload is very important, especially when it comes to any resistance work. If you constantly do the same thing over and over again, there's very little stimulus on the body, especially well, we on the do rotate system. the program. So yeah. the, key, the key question with, especially with resistance work is, how much stronger have you got and how much more volume can you handle? So if, you, if, you're, if you're stronger than you were two months ago, 
mm-hmm. and you can do more sets of that. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. You're going the right way. If you're, if you basically can do, you, if you can only lift the same weight you could lift a year ago, you're just, you're just spinning the wheels. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So the number one thing that people can do is that they can work out with purpose. They can track what they do. They can write down what they do when they work out and they can strive to just do a little bit more. doesn't always mean more time. It can mean lift more, just a few more reps, just do a little bit more than the last time they did. And that will help with that progressive overload. And you're constantly putting a new stimulus on your nervous system. And that will show in more strength and eventually more muscle mass. And can I ask you a question about the, the marginal benefit of doing compound exercises versus isolation? isolation? Because I am quite a lazy person. So the idea when somebody says to me, hey, Tobes, if you just do squats, that's basically 10 exercises at once. That, that appeals to me enormously. Compound movements are multi-joint movements that use a lot more muscle groups in the same amount of time. So you're going to burn more calories and you're going to cause more muscle damage. So over a period of time, you will, you will get into, what's the right word? You'll burn more fat in a, in a short period of time. Because so, you're, ben, I, I've heard you say this before. When you talk about muscle damage, that's in a good way. That's a good thing, isn't yeah, it? Because so then the like, body has to recover. Yeah, so basically, that's the big difference between uh, resistance work and cardio. So cardio, you burn more calories whilst you're doing it, but your metabolism returns very fast back to its normal rate of calorie burn. Whereas resistance work, you burn less calories typically doing the session if you equate time for time. But you basically are causing structural damage to the body. So you're breaking down muscle fibers. And so for the next 24 to 72 hours or so, your body's got to repair that structure. And so not only... Uh, are you burning more calories? You're building up, you're building back that muscle, but slightly more dense every time. So you're getting more toned, you're gaining more muscle mass, you're potentially gaining more strength, and you're burning more calories over a more consistent time, rather than like just burn loads of calories and then not do anything for a few days. So yeah, so the idea in resistance work is you, you break down muscle mass, that muscle mass is then damaged, and then your body basically has to repair it for the next two or three days, sometimes longer. And that repair doesn't come, the repair cost doesn't come from nowhere. You have to use some of the calories you're eating and repair the tissue you've damaged. Whereas with cardiovascular work, that, that's just not the same thing. You don't, you don't really break down muscle fibers with low to moderate intensities of cardio. You have to be really going through it with cardio to have the same effect as, as resistance work. Well, the dads in lockdown continued talking about diet and exercise for quite some time. So to hear what came next, tune into the parent show next Thursday for part two of this show at 8pm here on 92.6 FM. Radio Verulam. Neves solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves solicitors, your complete legal solution.